If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 122 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on November 28th, 2021. (sighs) The end of Thanksgiving weekend is here, and I hope you all had a good weekend as I did. I genuinely had a really good weekend, honestly. I really, really enjoyed it. It was really nice. And I hope yours was too. Really good Thanksgiving weekend this year. And now, as we look to where the offseason is, and just where the calendar is overall, we're only days away from the month of December. Can you freaking believe it? I feel like it was New Year's 2021, like two minutes ago. And now we're right around the corner from New Year's 2022. It's insane. December's just around the corner, and as December arrives, that also, of course, means that the off-season is continuing on. And with the arrival of December comes the expiration of the CBA, too, as we know. I've been reminding you every week about that. Wish I wasn't, considering the imminent lockout and long drag-out of negotiations and all the crap. (laughs) It's absolutely nothing that any of us want to talk about, but unfortunately, we... You have to. (laughs) So by the time we talk again next Sunday, the CBA will have expired. And we'll be in the midst of all the trash negotiations that have already apparently been going poorly. Can't wait. (laughs) But otherwise, this past week has been really weird (laughs) baseball-wise. Things with the Yankees are still really quiet, as quiet as ever. Even with December 1st just days away with the lockout, And honestly, despite the signings that we've spoken about here and there that the Yankees could make before the lockout, I mean, with the lockout mere days away, it's starting to look like the signings they may be planning to make won't be happening until afterwards now. But smaller scale signings outside of the mega contracts that are expected for guys like Correa and Seager, apparently, maybe even Story and Semyon for that amazing shortstop class, smaller signings and some trades too continued to happen, as they have for the last week or two, which I'll address just briefly in news, mainly one that has a little effect on the Yankees, possibly, which is important to touch on at least a little bit, anything that could or does affect the Yankees, because needless to say, they're the main topic of the show if you just look at the damn title. So, (laughs) given that fact, we'll talk about that a little bit, we'll touch on it, and other than that, and quickly yapping about the ultimate fates of the DFA'd, now former Yankees that we talked all about last week, Frazier, Odor, and Wade, we just got our main point of discussion today, which, of course, as usual, especially for the offseason, will be in the social media segment later on after news when we get back to talking about position by position on this team, like we did for most of the offseason episodes so far. And... Especially because we'll be talking about that certain guy a bit in news, as I mentioned before, that has to do with the position we'll mainly talk about later. Today's position is center field. Who should play center for the Yankees in 2022? We started off with talking about shortstop this offseason, then we hit on catching, first base, then last week, in case you missed it, we took a bit of a hiatus from that discussion and spoke about the DFAs and the Nick Nelson trade for the 40-man roster deadline and protecting Rule 5 guys. And now this week, we'll get back to our next position being center field. Then maybe next week we'll talk about starting pitching or something. We'll see. <laughs> but for now, let's not waste any more time. We're going to yap about some things that happened this past week. But before we do that, really quick, just want to remind you to follow Ball9 on all social medias at Ball9 and to also check out their website, Ball9.com. And obviously, please do not forget, of course, to follow yours truly on all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page. You can find me at Mike Scudero NY. 
On Twitter, you could find me at Mike Scudero. And on Instagram, Mike Scuds. 97. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on. And those platforms would be YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud, guys. Leave a like below if you're listening on YouTube. Leave a review on the other three. Just show your love like you do every single week. But without further ado, let's get to our news from this past week. And like I said, when it comes to the Yankees specifically, things are still a bit quiet with them. So some things I'm going to mention here don't necessarily have to do too much with them. And I'm obviously not going to go in depth on them. Just a brief mention. But like I said before, especially pertaining to center field, there was one thing that I'm going to touch on a little bit and then a bit more in our social media segment when talking even more about center field when it comes to a move that happened this past week. We're going to touch on that a little bit more than anything else coming up in news And then, of course, talk about what ended up happening with Odor, Wade, and Frazier, ultimately, after they were DFA'd. (sighs) That was a lot. (laughs) So, especially with things with the Yankees that actually happened this past week, yet again, not too much. (laughs) It's been very quiet on the Yankee forefront still, even with, as I said, the CBA expiration coming up in just a matter of days. This Wednesday, actually, to be exact, December 1st. But anyways, we start our news on Monday. Now, last week, the whole topic was, as I said earlier, the 40-man roster deadline moves. We went over all of them, trading Nelson and Sands to Philly and DFAing Frazier, Odor, and Wade. And I did mention that within the next week, give or take, that they could still either get traded, placed, and claimed off waivers, or if they clear waivers, be outrighted to AAA or released. We went over this already. I told you I'd update you on these things, as their ultimate fates were obviously yet to be decided at the time when I recorded last Sunday's episode. They were just DFA'd at the time. And Monday was the first piece of news regarding these three DFA'd players. The first one was that the Yanks traded Tyler Wade to the Angels for a player to be named later or cash. So like I mentioned the possibility of last week that Wade's market could turn out to be good, well... I think that was true because he was traded pretty quickly. (laughs) So he's now an angel. They get their utility infielder and even outfielder. Don't forget, he can play the outfield too. And Wade is actually the second Yankees infielder the Angels have picked up this winter. The other being Andrew Velasquez, if you recall. So even though Velasquez was a lesser player, didn't get as much playing time or wasn't on the Yankees for as many years as Tyler Wade, it must always help to see at least a familiar face when you go to a new ball club. So, Andrew Velasquez and Tyler Wade, of course, are already acquainted with one another as they both head to Los Angeles for 2022. And like with the rest of the DFA'd players, Frazier and Odor, I wish Tyler Wade luck, and I also wish Andrew Velasquez luck in LA as well. I already wished him luck when he was traded over there prior. And the entire time I was just saying all of that, a plane just loudly flew over my house. So, if you heard that in the background, then just fantastic. (laughs) But anyways... That's the deal with Tyler Wade. He's now a Los Angeles Angel alongside Andrew Velasquez. Other moves happen around the league as well that I mentioned. The smaller signings and the trades. More signings before the December 1st deadline, which is just, again, days away from now. Aaron Loop went to the Angels, from the Mets to the Angels. Alex Wood went back to the Giants. Steven Matz signed with the Cardinals, which was immediately followed by a lot of drama between Steve Cohen and his agent over all that, so that was entertaining to watch. But Steven Matz to the Cardinals. Michael Waka to the Red Sox after pitching for Tampa Bay, so he's staying within the AL East. Eduardo Escobar and Mark Canna to the Mets. Both good moves for them, if you ask me. Escobar, a solid utility infielder, coming off a good offensive year, almost 30 home runs hit, veteran presence. Same with Canna at 32 years old. He plays all outfield positions, especially the corner ones, the best, and first base. And offensively, he gets on base a lot. He has a lot of walks. Nothing to write home about, but nice moves for the Mets, if you ask me. I I really think they're nice. I saw a lot of people completely downplaying them. And while there are definitely no moves to write home about and go absolutely crazy about, they're they're nice moves. (laughs) There's no need to crap on them, if you ask me. I think they're nice moves for them. And it didn't end there with the Mets. Here's the one that I mentioned before that we're going to touch on a bit, especially because it could have a little bit of an effect on the Yankees, and you know how much I've spoken about him. This is one I'm personally a bit sad about. 
Not going crazy about, but I'm, I'm a bit sad about it. And again, especially if you're a longtime listener, you probably know how much I've spoken about him and how much I'd like for the Yankees to get him. But also to the Mets, all in the same day, by the way, Friday, three signings, Escobar, Canna, and now this third guy, three signings in one day. Their new general manager, Billy Epler, well, he's evidently not fooling around after just being hired. (laughs) But the third guy was Starling Marte. Many of you know how I feel about the guy. He puts the bat on the ball. He's a gold glove defender. He's really quick. He's very fast. Could have really provided that element of speed that a lot of people expressed concern over losing lately. And there are other center field options out there, of course, and people are quick to mention his age, that he's 33 years old, and blah, blah, blah. As if that's like the age of a fossil, you'd think, the way some people say it. But lots of you know that I've wanted him since the freaking trade deadline, so I'm a bit upset over that. I'm not going ballistic over it, like I said, I'm not, it's nothing to go crazy about, but I'm sad. I like the guy. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to tell you, I like him, he's a good baseball player. I see people going crazy over it, and maybe it's not something to go crazy about, but I also see some people downplaying it. It's nothing to downplay. I saw someone say Starling Marte is okay. He's not just okay. How could you not want a guy that puts the bat on the ball, he provides a gold glove defense, and he's really fast to the point where he could steal you 47 bases like he did last year? How could you not want a guy like that on your team? So please don't downplay Starling Marte to me. The guy's a good baseball player, all right? I know there are a lot of seasons in the past where his seasons didn't match up to that of last year. 2021 was a really good season for him. So I get people thinking that, especially because he's 33 again. Some people make it sound like he's a fossil, which he's not. But there is a chance that he could decline and not come near those numbers he put up again last year. He had some just decent seasons in the past. I I, I get those concerns, but don't tell me that Starling Marte is just an okay baseball player. That's just not true. The guy's a solid baseball player. So if someone's a little bit sad about it, like I am, especially because I've wanted this guy for a couple of years now, I would say, I've always liked the guy, I've always liked what he can bring to the table, so I'm no just Starling Marte bandwagon guy, I've been bringing up his name for some time now, then give the people a break that are a little bit sad about it, alright? They're allowed to be a little sad about it. And yeah, I'm coming from a bit of a personal place with that too, because I just didn't like seeing people downplay it, and I also didn't like seeing people biting each other's heads off about it, going crazy about it. You could be a little sad about it, of course, especially if you like the guy as long as I have. He's a good baseball player. But especially don't downplay the guy, whether last year was a fluke or not. He still had a great season, and it's okay to want a guy like that on your team. It's funny, like, people are pretending like 2021 is the only really good season he's had. If you look at his numbers, he's had plenty of nice seasons in the past. I'm tired of seeing people downplaying this guy. I really am. I don't know how he's going to do with the Mets. And he might end up going down there. A lot of people always rag on the Mets for saying, oh, that's where players go to die. Fine, maybe Starling Marte will have a down year or down four years because that's how long his contract is for. Whatever it be. But you don't have to downplay the guy. He's a good baseball player. But as far as the Yankees are concerned, there's still time to get someone else good, too, obviously. I'm, I'm sad about Starling, but there's still time to get someone else. I mean, whether it be at center field, shortstop, first base, wherever else, there's still time to get someone else there, too, and even elsewhere on the team. So we'll see. But he's off the board now for center field when it comes to talking about who would work out in center field for the Yankees, and he was a name that I brought up in the past a bit. But now he's off the board. Three signings in one day, again, for the Mets. And like I mentioned again briefly before, it was a four-year contract, and the money was worth $78 million. So just, just underneath $20 million on average per year on that contract for Marte, by the way. Group that together with the others I mentioned earlier throughout this past week. Oh, and Adam Frazier. He was, I don't want to forget these. Adam Frazier was also traded to Seattle. From San Diego, but many of you may remember him as the former Pittsburgh Pirates second baseman. And the Rays, as of this morning, signed Corey Kluber to a one-year deal. And I didn't expect Kluber to come back to the Yankees, of course, so that doesn't surprise me. But he's staying within the division. Of course, he's had many injury problems the last few years. He even missed three and a half months with the Yankees this past season. You don't need me to remind you of that. But if he's healthy, of course, he he's still got his stuff. 
And you just hope that since he's within the division, that he doesn't become a nightmare. <laughs> but anyways, he goes to the Rays for one year as of this morning, so another smaller signing, just a year. Adam Frazier was another trade. There were some Yankee fans even wanting him a little while back. He plays second base, and he's played a bit of the outfield too, but he was traded. So as I said, smaller signings mainly, and also trades like Adam Frazier, continued before December 1st, as we've anticipated. And that's why I keep on mentioning these moves just briefly, week by week, because I said that you'd probably see a lot of these, whether it be trades or smaller signings before December 1st. Some of the bigger contracts would probably have to wait, as they have. And all of this is just proof of that the last couple of weeks. All these little signings and these trades that have been happening. Little signings meaning like shorter deals, anywhere from like one to three or four year deals. And the offseason hot stove is hot right now. It's blazing. Not for the Yankees, but otherwise, it's, it's hot right now. And like I also said, whether or not that be because the Yankees may be looking to sign some of those guys, or at least one of them that are still seeking a mega contract, and like I also said as expected, those mega contracts will probably have to wait, and it seems like they are waiting for now at least, unless one of them miraculously happens to get done before Wednesday, December 1st, but other than that, for guys like Correa, Seager, we've spoken about this, I mean, they're probably going to wait. And any organizations, whether it be the Yankees or someone else, we've heard other organizations in on a couple of them, like the Tigers, but not only will some of the players probably wait, but the organizations themselves will probably wait because they may want to see where the new luxury tax threshold lies in the new CBA so that they know how they can spend and how they can't spend. Even though I wish basically all of them, smaller market teams included, would just spend what's necessary to put a good team out in the field anyway just to help the overall sport, since basically all of the owners are a bunch of billionaires anyway. But I'm preaching to the choir with that one, and so are a lot of other people. But anyways, a lot of them are probably just sitting around and waiting to see what the new CBA is going to have and where the new luxury tax threshold will be within the new CBA. So... That's why, again, you're probably going to see a lot of those mega contracts just be on hold as they have. Guys like Correa, Seager, even Story and Semyon, who also may receive big contracts, are just, they're just waiting. They're sitting out there and nothing's happened with them yet, despite some prior reports that some of their markets, like Seager's market, was starting to heat up, but nothing's happened yet. And you're probably going to see that continue well into or even after the lockout. So whether or not any of those reasons or maybe all of those reasons might have to do with the fact that the Yankees are quiet and when they will actually make a move remains to be seen. So from other teams this past week, other than the Yankees, as you could hear, some action did go down and the stove heated up even more. Some smaller signings happened all throughout. Another trade happened between the Padres and the Mariners for Adam Frazier. And we'll see if signings and or trades like this continue on in the next couple of days before December 1st. It'll be interesting to see. But before we already wrap up with news, I know it's pretty quick this week, but again, besides the off-season hot stove heating up with all other teams basically except for the Yankees this past week, when it comes to the Yankees especially, not a ton of news from this past week at all, really nothing, but... We do otherwise still have the fates of the other two DFA'd players to discuss, which would be revealed on Tuesday, just a day after Tyler Wade was traded to the Angels. So this will be our last piece of news for today before we move on to the main discussion for today's episode. But the fate of the other DFA'd players were revealed on Tuesday, and not at all surprising, to be honest. The other two remaining, of course, were Clint Frazier and Rugnet Odor. Clint Frazier ended up being released, so... As expected, the kid who once had such hype, such value, after being traded to us from Cleveland in that Andrew Miller trade back in 2016, ultimately released for absolutely nothing. So... Clint Frazier was released, and we all know how his Yankee career went down, and it was really unfortunate. It's a really unfortunate story, the story of Clint Frazier's Yankee career. So I wish him luck dealing with his injury struggles, and if he does happen to do so, wherever else he lands, I hope he finds success. I know there have been a lot of people talking about San Francisco. I've even seen a lot of Giants fans saying, bring him to the West Coast. So 
it's unfortunate. It really is. I just I look back on Clint Fraser's Yankee career with a great deal of sadness. I really do. And I really do wish him luck. And the same to Rugnet Odor, who shortly after that same day was also released. And like I said before, I'm really not surprised by either of these announcements. So those are the ultimate fates of the three DFA'd players. Wade, Traded, and Odor and Frazier released. And again, I really do wish the best of luck to all of them. I hope it works out better elsewhere for Clint, and I hope Odor lands well on his feet elsewhere as well. So overall, guys, after talking about some more smaller-scale signings happening throughout the week, another trade with Adam Frazier, the ultimate fates of the three DFA'd players being Clint, Wade, and Odor, that's really all for news from this past week. Like I said, those other signings are keeping the stove hot, but not really much happened with the Yankees, so news a bit short this week. About 10-15 minutes and we're done, so we got the rest of the time today to talk about our main topic of center field for the Yankees, which is nice. Another position to talk about, another position we're hitting on after hitting on three big other ones that basically everyone's talking about, especially being shortstop and first base. Catcher a bit, but I would say people are talking about center field even more than they're talking about catcher because... I think a lot of people just expect to see the Yankees at least start 2022 realistically with Gary Sanchez, even if they want someone else, which I already expressed the week that we talked about catchers, I do want someone else as well, but I think we all expect and I think we all know that they are probably starting 2022, at least starting 2022 with Gary Sanchez. So I think with that acceptance for a lot of people, we could be wrong, but it's just really what we expect knowing the Yankees, but With that acceptance, with that basically realization, I guess I could say, I would say a lot of people are even talking about center field even more, especially given what Cashman said a little while back about it, if you recall, that he didn't even really guarantee in some interviews with the media that Aaron Hicks was necessarily the starting center fielder for the Yankees in 2022. So that got people thinking, especially people like myself who aren't even that big of a fan of Aaron Hicks thinking how they could do even better than him, and they can. So we're going to talk about all of that. I'm going to give you my opinion on it, as always, and then we'll hear all of your thoughts on it. But the main topic for this week, who should play center for the Yankees? And I'm not even really sure why I hit my desk after each of those words, but I guess I just felt like putting some emphasis on it. (laughs) But that's the social media question for this week, and that's basically what we have, an open-ended question, because there are a lot of names out there. A lot of names you could choose from, many of which, or basically all of which, I will run through. But I do also want to remind you quickly, before I get into my take and your takes, of course, that like two or three weeks ago, if you remember, I did discuss center field already a little bit. So I dabbled in this discussion a little, but I wanted to go in on it again today. Even though in the grand scheme of things, there are other positions of need, obviously, some more important than center field. It is a discussion that needs to be explored further, in my opinion, and I only spoke about it a little bit before, and I wanted to give it the proper attention that other positions got, like shortstop, first base, catcher, dedicate a main discussion to it. So some of these guys I'm about to mention, I did already speak a little bit about, but I'm going to talk about them again, and I'm going to talk about other guys, and we're going to fully go into this thing and discuss it. Now, obviously the Yankees have Aaron Hicks right now. I've given my thoughts on him. I'm not a fan of the guy, like I just said. He can't stay healthy. I'm not much of a fan of his bat, even. And even his defense, which, in my opinion, was a strong suit when the Yankees first got him, has declined. Especially since he got his Tommy John surgery. I've spoken about this before. His range decreased, and even his arm, which was once a cannon out there in center field, seemed to turn into a wet noodle. And he's playing winter ball right now, by the way, since he's finally recovered from his wrist surgery. So that's what he's doing right now, like I mentioned the Yanks said he would some weeks ago. And that's all good. But I'm just personally not big on him. I think the Yankees can do way better. I don't think he's the worst center fielder I've ever seen, but I think the Yanks can do better. So with that being said, let's run through some of those options. And I've said this many times, including today, but I've always been big on Starling Marte for a few years now, as some of you know. Obviously, as we addressed in news, he's off the board now. But I was a big fan of his, but he's no longer an option. There's the other Marte, 
Ketel Marte. We spoke about him a bit at the deadline this past season alongside Starling. They're two different Martes, for those who don't know. Don't mix them up. <laughs> but Ketel Marte stayed put with the Diamondbacks at the time, obviously. And he would have costed a ton in a trade, and still would. And at the time, Starling went to Oakland, of course, at the deadline, and now he signed with the Mets. So he's off the board, and Cattell would cost a ton. I don't know how much the Yankees would be willing to invest in that, but he's another option, but he would cost a lot. He's a really, really good player, though. I love Cattell Marte. I love both Martes. You've got Brian Reynolds on the Pirates, who's a terrific hitter, switch hitter, mind you, and a great fielder with lots of years left under team control, which inevitably drives his trade value up even more than it already is. And when we dabbled a bit on center field discussion a couple of weeks ago, he was one of the guys I mentioned. He would be terrific, but a very tough get, again, between how great of a fielder he is, how great of a hitter he is, and the fact that he's under team control until 2026. <laughs> so he would be a tough get. You would have to give up a lot. There's Cedric Mullins from the Orioles. Extremely talented left-handed hitter who would bring great balance to this Yankee lineup. Great balance. He's a terrific defender. And like Starling Marte, is extremely fast. But he would also cost an arm, a leg, and an eyeball's worth in a trade. <laughs> in other words, much like Brian Reynolds and even Cattell Marte, as amazing as he would be, what the O's would ask for, and what they likely already have asked for as teams have checked in on Cedric Mullins inevitably, makes him pretty unrealistic. You have Byron Buxton on the Twins. He's only going to be 28 years old soon. He's a good hitter, good defender, really good at both. But one massive thing with him is injuries. He's only played 100 games in a season once in what's a seven-year career so far. And that was back in 2017. And yeah, 2020 was only a 60-game season. I know, I know. But he even missed 21 games that year. So that's a big concern when it comes to Byron Buxton. He doesn't play a lot of games in a season, and the Yankees already have enough trouble with injuries. There's Chris Taylor on the Dodgers. He's clutch, drives in runs, especially in the playoffs, as many of us have seen. He's played nearly every position on the field. Shortstop, second, third, center, left, right, you name it. And unlike many of these other options, you can just sign him since he's a free agent. But he'd be a really solid center fielder with the ability to play many other positions if needed. Another right-handed hitter, yeah. But you know what? If he gets the job done, that's all that matters, right? He's a pretty solid hitter. He won't give you a ton offensively during the season, but he'll give you some good production. 2017 was a solid season for him, batted 288, 354 on base, 496 slugging, 850 OPS, 123 OPS plus, hit 21 homers, drove in 72. 2018 was solid, 17 homers, 63 RBIs, 254 average, numbers were a bit down that year, 331 on base, 444 slugging, 775 OPS, and a 110 OPS plus. 2019, just 12 homers, 52 RBIs, 262 average, 333 on base, 462 slugging, and 794 OPS, and the OPS Plus went down by 3 at 107, and the shortened season, he did a pretty good job, only missed 4 games, and he still hit 8 home runs inside of 56 games, which isn't terrible, <laughs> 270 average, 366 on base, 476 slugging, an 842 OPS and a 127 OPS plus. And 2021 was a pretty solid season for him too. Hit 20 home runs again, drove in 73 runs, hit 254, so the average went down a bit, but hovers around what it usually is. 344 on base, 438 slugging, 782 OPS, and a 110 OPS plus. And that's not even counting all the clutch hits we've seen him get in the playoffs too. So I think Chris Taylor would be a pretty solid option. Or, if you don't want to look outside the organization and you want to look within and give Estevan Florial an official shot, some have mentioned that too. And that wouldn't be bad. Point is, you got some options. <laughs> now, when it comes to my opinion on who I would like them to get, and maybe even who I would think would be most realistic for them to get, 
if you didn't have to clean out a lot of top prospects like you would inevitably have to for some of the guys like Cattell Marte, Brian Reynolds, and Cedric Mullins, while still having to worry about possibly trading for others like a Matt Olson too, if that's to happen, or others as well, then I would easily say you go for a Reynolds or a Mullins or a Cattell Marte. Easily. Because talent-wise, those are your top-tier guys. I wouldn't mind Byron Buxton much at all, too. It's just the injuries concern me and the fact that he's only played 100 games or more only once in his career. But much like shortstop, there are plenty of options here that I would have no problem with getting. So I'm willing to choose multiple, as you could hear. (laughs) But especially because you could just sign him, and I think he would be solid enough with the bat and with good defense and lots of versatility elsewhere. I really like Chris Taylor, to be honest. But like I said, lots of those other names I'd be thrilled with too. I I really would. I really wouldn't mind them, especially the top-tier talents who would cost an arm, a leg, and an eyeball, like I said. Cattell Marte, Brian Reynolds, Cedric Mullins... Those, especially like Cedric Mullins, are not realistic because they would just cost far too much in prospects and otherwise just in a big haul of a trade. But obviously, if you could, those guys are the top-tier talent. You'd love them. But I think the most realistic one, if the Yankees aren't solely to stick with Aaron Hicks, could be a guy like Chris Taylor, and I would really like him. I I really think he'd be a solid fit here versatility defensively, good defense overall, and he would give you a decent amount the bat. There are other guys here who would give you more offensively. Cedric Mullins would probably give you more offensively. Brian Reynolds would, and so would Cattell Marte. Like I said, those guys are top tier when it comes to looking for a center fielder. I'm not denying that. But when it comes to most realistic, the fact that you would only have to sign him since he's a free agent, and the fact that it's good defensive versatility good center fielder, would probably give you average to above average offensive production, with possibly big hits in big moments. I'd be totally fine with Chris Taylor. I really would be, so I guess he would be my choice. But of course, if you could still somehow make trades for a lot of those top-tier guys and still maybe save some guys for some other trades you might want to do, whether it be Olsen or someone else, as the conversation for guys like Matt Olsen continue as well, but... If you could pull that off, then of course you go for one of the top tier guys, but I would also really, really like Chris Taylor. But once more, like I said about the shortstop class, there are plenty of names here who I would really not have a big problem with at all. I would be thrilled with a lot of them. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh my God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Holy crap. I just got notifications popping up on my phone. There were more moves made. Oh my god. You guys know how much I love when this happens. I'm going to be able to get to react live to these signings that just went down in baseball. And yes, the hot stove is still hot. Holy crap. (laughs) Well, forget about anything I just said about Byron Buxton. (laughs) Because it just came out. And I guess it's also sort of changes the dynamic from before when I said only the smaller scale signings are happening because this is a long-term contract. This is the first one of the offseason, if I had to say. Byron Buxton just re-signed with the Twins. All right, so good for him. Like I said before, you could scratch him off center field now too, so forget what I just said about him and him being a possibility (laughs) because he's off the board now. Wow, this just came out. So Byron Buxton, all it says right now is outfielder agrees to, quote, long-term nine-figure contract extension to remain in Minnesota, according to Jeff Passan. Wow. So he's off the board. Hold on. I'm going on Twitter right now. I'm going to go to Jeff Passan's Twitter page. Let's see this. Centerfielder Byron Buxton and the Minnesota Twins are in agreement on a long-term nine-figure. Yeah, I just read that. The deal, as Ken Rosenthal said, okay, here's more information, seven years and $100 million and includes a full no-trade clause. And the MVP bonuses are, are significant, the MVP bonuses. Again, this is all from Jeff Passan. First gets him $8 million, second gets him $7 million, third $6 million, fourth $5 million. Okay, so this is all the MVP bonuses. You can read that for yourself on social media if you want. I won't bore you with numbers like that. But... This seems official. 
So Byron Buxton, long-term contract extension, seven years, $100 million. And again, I know by the time you guys are listening to this tonight, you guys will have already seen this. I, I know that, but this just happened at the time I'm recording now. Wow. Wow. So Byron Buxton off the board and what I would consider to be the first longer-term contract, whether it be an extension or whatever, that we've seen this winter. Seven years, $100 million. So there you go. One long-term-ish contract basically happened before the first. So that's basically our first one. We've seen anything from three or four years and under only so far. That's what I meant before by like smaller-scale signings. And some trades here and there too. So wow, wow. Huh. So he's off the board. We'll see if anything else happens before day's end now. Usually whenever one thing happens in a day these last few days, it's just multiple after that. So something else could very well happen before the day ends still. So Byron Buxton off the board. Holy crap. (laughs) So again, scratch him as an option. And I guess anybody else who may have replied with his name underneath this social media question for yesterday, huh, I, I guess you could just run over that now because everybody replied to the social media segment yesterday and this just dropped now. So, wow. So yeah, he's off the board. We'll see if anything else happens. But enough out of me. Let's get to your thoughts, especially before something else might happen. <laughs> All right, so the Twitter question again, quite simply put, like I said before, Who would you like to see playing center field for the Yankees in 2022? Very straightforward, right? So let's hear some of your thoughts. Still can't believe I got to react to Byron Buxton live on the show. That's crazy. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Let's start with Rebecca at Peace Now for Life. And she says, I would love Brian Reynolds from the Pirates. He's young, hits for a nice average with power too. But I think it may be tough to trade Hicks with his injuries the last few years. Not sure there will be a big market for him, although his contract is not too bad. Yeah, like I said, Brian Reynolds is one of those top-tier guys, and he would cost a lot. And trading Aaron Hicks, yeah, I'm not sure his value is very high right now whatsoever. Not only because I just, I don't think he's that great offensively. His defense even declined the last couple of years when he actually did play, unlike just in the very beginning of 2021 before his wrist injury. But, yeah, I, I just, I'm not... I'm not big on him, and I don't think a lot of other teams would be that big on him either, and his injuries are definitely a big red flag, and that's part of the reason why I'm not too upset with Byron Buxton re-signing with the Twins either, because I'd mentioned his injuries and his lack of playing games throughout his whole career so far, basically, as a concern as well. Same thing with Aaron Hicks. I'm not a hypocrite. So, yeah, I'm not sure his his value would be that high, and I'm not sure you'd have that big of a market, so... I, I definitely hear you there, Rebecca. But his contract isn't horrible. Makes $10 million a year on average. Which, I wish it was a little less than that, especially given the little gameplay we've gotten from the last couple of years. But, it could be worse, so I hear you. Laura Icemont at Laura underscore Icemont is next. And Laura says, Cedric Mullins. Oh boy, that is a, that's a pipe dream for sure. <laughs> I would love him. I would love Cedric Mullins on the Yankees. But like I said before, it would cost... An ungodly amount. Ungodly. Trading-wise meaning, like it would for Reynolds and Marte. At Crusaders BBNY says, anyone but number 11. So, Brett Gardner, who I believe I said it was last week or the week before that, that he intends on playing in 2022. And whether that would be with the Yankees or someone else, and I said it would be very hard to imagine being someone else given his loyalty and love for the Yankees. So... I doubt that it would be with much of anyone else, and if he did come back, I would hope that it would be in a fourth outfielder role like it was supposed to be in 2021 before things went haywire in the outfield and it mandated Gardner to play basically every day almost. But yeah, at this point, I I wouldn't want Gardner out there all the time either. He would only be a fourth outfielder, but if, if team circumstances mandated again like it did in 2021 when Hicks went down everything happened with Clint Frazier and Duhar didn't work out and they refused to play Stanton you know everything and Gardner was forced to play a lot more you know if that happens again then he'll be out there a lot again and the Yankees could do far better than that so I I hear you there as much as I respect and like Gardner no that time has passed (laughs) so I I hear you 
at David Flodmond says, I'm still a huge fan of Guardy. I don't care what anyone says. Definitely not Hicks. All right, so we got the other perspective. On the other hand, right after the prior comments. <laughs> All right, so we got a fan of Gardner and definitely not a fan of Hicks. I, I hear you there. I feel that. And... Yeah, listen, like I said, I'm a fan of Gardner too, but the days of him being a regular center fielder, come on, the Yankees could just do better. They can. They can do better, and you should demand better. You should. I'm not crapping on Gardner when I say that. I'm just saying the truth at this point of his career and what the Yankees could get at this point. They could do better than Brett Gardner. As much as I like and respect him, that's just the truth. Because I would hate to see the team's circumstances go down the way they did in 2021 with the outfield, and then you would have to see him play almost every day when that's not the plan. I would love it as a fourth outfielder, but things things happen with teams. And then you might have to see that guy who you didn't want out there all the time, out there all the time. <laughs> so, I don't know, it's just... Ugh. At Rich29UK, and Rich says... I'd like to see Mike Trout, but that's obviously not going to happen. I like Buxton a lot, but worry about how injury-prone he is in a team that already has a problem in that regard. Yeah, Mike Trout's not going to happen. I could have told you that even before I finished that sentence. <laughs> but you clearly already know that. And Buxton, yeah, I, I, I like Buxton a lot too, but like I said, along with the fact that he's off the board as of now, but of course you didn't know this when you were replying yesterday, so I get it. But I worry about his injuries too. And how little he plays every year. So I mentioned that, and I still agree. And that's why I'm not even that upset about him not being an option anymore. But, yeah, he's off the board now. What was that What was that contract, by the way? Seven years, 100? What is that on average, annual average? Let me, let me plug that in real quick. 100 divided by 7. It's about, it's a little over 14 on average. That's that's a bit for a guy who like never plays. Has only had over a hundred games in his career in one season. So, but yeah, so he's off the board. But I I totally agree on your assessment with everything, of course, especially with Mike Trout. <laughs> as much as that would be a dream of every baseball fan in the world, even though Mike Trout himself is a bit injury prone, uh, that is obviously never going to happen. At Pat Mull thirty four says anyone but Hicks. <laughs> All right, I can respect that. I guess. At Rock and Roll Pastor says Cedric Mullins. Yeah, I had a feeling that we'd get a lot of Cedric Mullins today. Like I said, as much as I would love him, as much as we would all love him, it's just not realistic given what the Orioles have already probably responded to teams with as to what they would ask for upon them asking about Mullins. So, as much as I would love it, it's probably not going to happen, my man. All right, up next we have at Hot Stove NYY 2021. And they say Florial and Lockridge should get a crack at it and or platooning with Hicks. Lockridge has locked some at-bats after an injury-riddled past. Just may be the guy we've been looking for. Brandon Lockridge down in the minors? Yeah, I, th- I, I did think I heard about his injury past, and I don't, I don't even think he's played in AAA yet. Yeah, so I don't know if he's... I don't know if he's had nearly enough time to even get a crack at the majors. So I, I think Floreal is a much more reasonable expectation, given the fact that he's even seen Major League Baseball already. But, yeah, Lockridge, I'm not so sure about that. and I don't think he's nearly ready yet. <laughs> so I'm not sure I agree with that. But Floreal, yeah, some other people are saying that. Give the guy within a chance. He's seen the Major Leagues already. He's a left-handed hitter. There are some things with defense that he could improve with out there, and plus he could cut down on strikeouts a bit. Those are some problems they've mentioned with him at times, but yes, some people mentioned giving him a shot, and I wouldn't be totally opposed to that. Maybe he would come into his own. Who knows? Or maybe he could use a little bit more time down in the minors, and you could see him at points throughout 2022. We'll see. At Alex Marr 419-36331 says Cedric Mullins. So we got another Cedric Mullins. Alrighty. At Kenny Zook says, I would like a healthy Hicks, but history tells us that's unlikely. So I would go all in on a trade for Mullins, Reynolds, or Cattell Marte. Now, who's actually going to play center field? Gardner, and that's obvious. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this is the kind of 
this is the kind of negative attitude a lot of Yankee fans have adopted since they heard Gardner wants to play again in 2022. I think it's pretty safe to say he'll at least be a fourth outfielder, but again, if team circumstances mandate like they did this past season, yeah, there's a chance you could see Gardner out there quite a bit again, which, again, I'm, I'm not very much in support of despite being a fan of the guy. But, oh my God, these planes won't stop flying over, Jesus. <laughs> But yeah, healthy Hicks would be fine. Again, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not too big of a fan of the player himself either. But it's not likely. It's not likely you get a healthy Hicks. But even if he is healthy, I still think the Yankees could do better. Even defensively, which again was even a strong suit of his when they got him. I used to love Aaron Hicks defensively at the very least. I mean, who could forget the diving catch in Minnesota? His former team, no less. <laughs> when the Yankees were facing Minnesota in Minnesota. And he made that iconic Diving play with Chad Green pitching to end the game. That iconic call by Ryan Rucco, my boy on commentary. Who could forget that? And plus his arm. He used to have a great arm. I mentioned all this. But even that sort of went away, all of that, after he had Tommy John. And then, of course, he had the wrist problems this year and missed virtually the entire season. So it, they could do better. And yes, as much as I would love for them to go all in on the top-tier ones, like I said, Mullins, Reynolds, Cattell Marte, you have to imagine what... It would be that they give up who they would have to give up and what that would mean for potential other trades that they want to make. So you have that to consider. Bobby at NYY2022WSChamp says, Florial, play him or trade him for someone we need. We leave our prospects in the minors for too long. Yeah, some, some guys I guess you can make that argument for, but other guys, they could use the development. They could. So... I, I think it depends when it comes to who the Yankees leave in the minors for too long and who they don't. But I guess the argument could be made here and there that they do for Florial. But you have also heard and even seen certain things with Florial that could use a bit more development time, strikeouts, some defensive problems. So, but I don't blame people for possibly wanting to look within. I can't blame you. At Gibbs 626 says Cedric Mullins. And under him, at Justin M27400217 says Cedric Mullins. <laughs> All right, lots of Mullins support. Especially, I think, because I think it was because of that report that said the Orioles are at least listening to offers on Mullins, but all, all of the reporters are basically saying that the asking price is, is absurd, as anticipated, like I said it would be. At the Doug Rush says Mike Trout. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, up next is at Papa underscore Cole 45 says Buxton. Oh, well, again, like I said, I know you guys responded to this yesterday, but off the board. But despite the injuries, strictly playing wise, not a horrible pick at all. Next, we have Spencer at Musician DMD, and he says this answer might get criticized, and I understand why, but I'd like to see Judge relegated to center fielder. That's what I would like. What we'll get? Probably Iron Hicks again. I do predict Gardner will be back, and we'll see him in center field as well. Well, I don't think that's an absurd answer. I just think Aaron Judge belongs in right field primarily, and that is his primary position, so I don't really want to move him from that. I would only put him in center field for certain days, like whenever whoever the center fielder is needs a day off, or if they're injured and you need someone out there just for a couple of days maybe, then you could very well shift Judge over there, because when we did see him play in center field, he did a fine job, because Aaron Judge is a great athlete. And he did a fine job in center field. So here and there, I'm on board for that. But everyday center fielder, I'd want someone else. I want Judge and Wright. That's his position. That's where he's best. I want him in right field. So I understand the thought process. And it's not a horrible idea. It's not like Aaron Judge did terribly in center field. He did a fine job. But I want him in right field. Aaron Hicks is probably who we will get. And you'll probably see Gardner out there at least every once in a while. Especially depending on team circumstances like this past season. So... I agree, especially since, like I said, he wants to play again in 2022, and it's hard to imagine him playing anywhere else but here, so we'll probably see him at least a little bit. You're right. Next is at Steve, 728-152-28, and he says, Florial. All right, so more Estevan Florial support. Let's keep going here. We've got at Original UYF1950, and they say, who I'd like to see playing center field is Brian Reynolds. Who I expect to be playing center field is either Hicks or Gardner. <laughs> yeah, that's what a lot of people are expecting. And like I said, you could very well get that. But 
Brian Reynolds, as I mentioned, one of the top-tier guys alongside Cattell Marte and Cedric Mullins, would be fantastic, but would also cost a crap ton, like the other two. <laughs> so, I definitely understand wanting him. He would be terrific, but it would just cost a bunch. I, I do not blame anybody for wanting him, though. He's just terrific. Great hitter, great defender, lots of years left to control, and mind you, he's a switch hitter as well. So whenever he hits lefty, and the fact that he could also hit righty, depending on who he's facing, that brings balance too. And he's under team control a lot of years. It's just, it would just be so great. It really would be. And depending on other plans too, if the Yankees are willing to do it, then do it. No question. But it would just cost so much. (laughs) Rob at Laker 477 says, I'd love to see Bernie Williams in center. But seriously, I would be happy with either Buxton or Bryant. Yeah, Bernie. (laughs) Those were the days, weren't they? But yeah, Byron Buxton, solid option, although with the injury troubles, and he's off the board now. And Chris Bryant for center field? I mean, he's played some games out there, very, very few, but he's mainly an infielder. You'd sign him to play third. While I obviously love Chris offensively more than anything, I mean, I would love to have his bat in the lineup. I mean, for, for when it comes to defense... You primarily sign him for the infield. He can play outfield, but I I want someone who's more strictly an outfielder. Someone who's accustomed to the outfield, especially center field specifically. And Chris Bryan is mainly accustomed to the infield. As much as he's willing to play other positions on the field, which is awesome for utility purposes, but I want someone who's played a bit more center field than him. And I know that could sound a little hypocritical because I favor Chris Taylor as much as I do. I really like the option of him which I'm surprised not many people have mentioned him because he was a very popular target as recently as like a month ago. But anyways, I know that could seem a bit hypocritical because Chris Taylor is largely utility as well and has played a ton of games in the infield as well. But Chris Taylor, I feel, has better experience in the outfield than Chris Bryant does. I mean, I'm looking at it on baseball reference right now and it says Chris Taylor has played 186 career games in center field and... Bryant has played 29. (laughs) So there's your proof right there. So I would want someone who's played center field quite a bit more than that. Quite a bit more than 29 games. So I would have to elect against Chris Bryant for that purpose because he would primarily be playing center field. And again, because of injuries or days off and whatnot, you know, players switch around some days. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. Just primarily, I want someone who's primarily in center field who's played more than 29 games. But especially for offensive purposes, I could definitely understand why you'd want him, for sure. At Source3S says Chris Taylor. Finally, you get a Chris Taylor. (laughs) Up next, we have at Raf321 says Buxton. Sorry, my man. Off the board. (laughs) And so does Paul Lesage2 says Buxton. Off the board. At PJYankeeDVED says Reynolds, then Mullins, then anyone other than Hicks and Gardner. <laughs> yeah, listen, Reynolds and Mullins, t- two of the three top-tier guys alongside Cattell Marte, like I said, would be awesome guys to have. Awesome, awesome. But all of them would cost so much, especially Mullins. <laughs> God, it would cost so much. So many Cedric Mullins here. I keep on scrolling down. At Thomas B. 228-09527, Cedric Mullins. Another Mullins from at Edward, another bunch of numbers, 151, 744, 84, Cedric Mullins. We've got a Cattell Marte from at Harry358, 14554. Got to stop with all the numbers, guys. Get official ats. <laughs> Get official handles. But Cattell Marte. At KCombine33 says Buxton or Brian Reynolds. Definitely valid replies. Brian Reynolds is awesome. Buxton, but, you know, as of today, off the board. Holy crap. You've got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. (laughs) I'm about to get to react to another signing. Something else went down. What did I say before? What did I say? I said when one thing has happened lately because the hot stove is hot right now. When one thing happens in a day, something else usually follows, usually shortly thereafter. At least that's how this last week and a half or two have gone. There's another signing, guys, and again, by the time you're listening to this in a few hours, you have, will have already heard this, I know that, but there's another signing that went down 
Marcus Semien, and it's another long-term deal. Another long-term deal went down. So after today, when virtually no long-term deals went down, it was only smaller-scale signings and some trades here and there, now we've got the first two long-term-esque signings of the 2021 offseason, both coming just three days before the December 1st deadline for the CBA expiration. And this next signing is none other than Marcus Semyon. So that's one name off the board for the awesome shortstop class. So now you only have three main ones remaining. Correa, Seager, and Story. Semyon was the other one alongside that. Some people even included Javi Baez. But along the big four were Correa, Seager, Story, and Semyon. And Semyon is off the board. He just signed with the Texas Rangers. Wow. Jeff Passan also apparently broke this one. So let me go back to that awesome guy's Twitter account. One of the only ones that I trust for social media sources, as I said. <laughs> Let's see. Wow. And he actually just put out a tweet just now afterwards saying the madness is just beginning. Oh, oh, oh my God. These next couple of days before December 1st, it's, it, it sounded like it's getting nuts. He and John Heyman seem to be all over these tonight. So let's see. Marcus Semien's deal with the Rangers is for seven years. All right, so just like the seven-year contract extension that Byron Buxton had with the Twins. Seven years and $175 million. Wow. So that's... What is that? I'm going to try to do that in my head. What is that? $25 million on average per year? It's a lot of money. And that's a lot of years, too. Seven years. I mean, Semyon did hit 45 home runs this past season and had a season for the ages for his career. Wow. That's nuts. $25 million. And I don't know if that contract's going to be front-loaded or back-loaded. I don't know what it's going to be. But on average, $25 million a year for Semyon. Wow. And then he even added a tweet underneath that that the Rangers aren't done yet. Even though they got Marcus Semyon, they're still in on the Trevor Story sweepstakes. Hmm. <laughs> they went into this winter with money to spend. They got a whole lot better with Semyon, and now they're targeting more offense as well as starting pitching. Wow. Huh. The Texas Rangers. So if they're still targeting Story, maybe they would put Semyon at second and Story at short if they were to get the both of them. Seven years. Seven-year contract for Semyon. Wow. And then he just put out, not long ago, the madness is just beginning. This is going to be a well of a 24 hours. So, yeah, I guess I'll briefly mention the rest of the signings that are expected to happen in the next couple of days before Wednesday when we talk again next Sunday. Because if there's any more that's going to happen in much longer, because I'm probably going to end this episode in the next five minutes or so, then I guess... <laughs> Wow. Then I guess we'll just have to mention it next week. Damn. Marcus Semyon and Byron Buxton today. Gone. Marcus Semyon out of the shortstop class. Byron Buxton out of the center field class. He signed an extension with the Twins. So seven years, 175 for Semyon with the Rangers. And Byron Buxton with the Twins again with a seven-year contract extension worth $100 million. Now these are no 250 or $300 million contracts, but... Damn. <laughs> so that just broke just now. Nice little interruption of the social media segment. Let's just do maybe a couple more on Twitter, and then I want to fly over to Instagram and just read a couple over there before we end. But wow. Live reactions to both of those. Incredible. So Marcus Semyon, wow. He's off the board. Seven years with the Rangers. Wow. Crazy. It's crazy. I love when I get to react to stuff like that live on the show. I'm live for me. <laughs> All right. A couple more. At Blockhead for Real says, Guardy. <laughs> Block is a good friend on Twitter. He's a Red Sox fan. Love him, though. He's great. This may sound sacrilege to some Yankee fans, but I don't care. Shout out to my good Red Sox fan friends on Twitter, and there are plenty of them. Lots of good Red Sox fans out there. Uh, let's see who else. At Julian Gallardi1 says, Byron Buxton. Sorry, brother. I know you said this yesterday, like I said with the others, but he's off. At NYYFan567 says Mullins. And at Kev7NYNY says Hicks. All right, so someone willing to go with Hicks? <sighs> so I think we get the gist here. I guess I'll just read like one more maybe. 
Let's do at Dog and Tao says, Judge. All right, so I, I think it was Spencer from before. So, Spencer, you're not alone. Someone else would like for Judge to be the center fielder. But then who are you putting in right? <laughs> would you play Stanton a lot more in the outfield, put him in right? If they keep Gallo, would you put Gallo in right? Yeah, but I just don't want to move Judge from his primary position. I just don't. I mean, the Judge's chambers are out in right field. It's a whole marketing thing. You think they're going to move him from there? (laughs) All right. So that's all for the Twitter replies. Thank you all so, so much. So many of you replied. Of course, like every week, I couldn't get to all of you. But I just love you all so much for the constant interactions every week. You guys are just the best. I love you so much. My God. Let's go over to Instagram. Let's read a few over there. Same question, of course. Who would you like to see playing center field for the Yankees in 2022? First up on Instagram, we have Sayesh2914 saying Mike Trout. <laughs> uh, God, everybody just loves saying that. The Dark Knight 025, my friend James. And James says, anyone but Gardner and Hicks. Hell, I'll take Floreal over either of them at this point. Yeah, Floreal is certainly the younger option. <laughs> but yeah, you're not the only one to say that, James. You're not the only one. But I'd, I just want to see how Floreal plays. We'll probably, we'll probably see him in spring training a good amount. And just, just see how he looks. Because I know there have been some problems with him in the past, defensively and even offensively with the strikeouts like we've heard. So just want to see a little bit more of him. Official52011 says, anyone other than Hicks. <laughs> Far from the only one to say that as well. <laughs> but I listen, I can respect that because like I've said, I'm not the biggest Hicks guy either. So I hear you on that one. Next, we have my good friend Tina at MountainGal456, and Tina says, It's probably going to be Hicks. If he can only stay healthy, it would be wonderful, but that never seems to happen. Therefore, it would be Gardy. I'll never say anything bad about Gardy, but time for the Yankees to make some moves. Bryant is very versatile. Could look into him. Yeah, someone else mentioned Bryant. I, I definitely know that, but again, with center field, he's only played like 29 games out there. I want someone out there who's who has a lot more center field experience specifically so but you could look into him I guess you can and we're probably going to get Hicks but yeah with the injuries that's the main question isn't it I mean who would safely guarantee that we would even get like 110 games out of him I wouldn't safely guarantee that (laughs) I mean nothing's a guarantee but especially not with him given his health the last few years so yeah health is just it's probably the biggest reason why I'm uneasy with Hicks but again like I said even the player himself I'm not too big a fan of him and, of course, if if circumstances deemed so, and Gardner does come back, which, again, since he plans on playing in 2022, and I can't imagine him playing anywhere else, he will probably be back, then you'd probably see him. Which, like you said, Tina, that's basically exactly what I've expressed. I'm a fan of Gardner, wouldn't talk badly about him, but the Yankees could and need to do better. They do. All right, let's finish up with the final two, as always. Last two. First off, my girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and Vic says... I think we can agree that Hicks is just a no. If I had to pick anyone, I think a good option would be Chris Taylor. He is now a free agent, so you would just have to sign him, and he's a solid defensive player with multiple positions. Yeah, good utility guy, plenty of experience in center field, nearly 200 games worth, so that's all good with me. I think he has some pretty good experience out there, and he could play a lot of different positions if need be. He'll be fine offensively. I'm not going to say he's going to be godly, but he'll be fine with some big hits, especially in big moments. We've seen that plenty. And he is a free agent, so you just sign him. Yeah. Might not cost as much. So we're on the same page with that. What a surprise. (laughs) And lastly, but certainly not least, as always, my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And she says, someone good, please. But all kidding aside, after the disgraceful season that just tortured us in 2021, I expect no excuses for 2022. To me, Chris Taylor seems to be a good choice since we missed the boat on Starling Marte. I hope next baseball season will be amazing and it'll race this past season, and getting a good center fielder I think could be a start to that. Let's hope for the best. Yeah, 2021 was definitely not fun. Yep. And yes, Starling Marte was a big option of mine, like you said, off the board now. And I think Chris Taylor is a good option too. I've explained why I think so, and I'm glad you agree with that, Mom. So, yeah, let's hope for the best indeed. But the stove is hot right now, so anything could happen in these next couple of days. Anything can. And according to Jeff Passan, a lot will, and a lot has today alone, as has the last week or two. It's insane. 
And we'll see when the Yankees choose to do something. Oh my, there's another move? Oh my God, hold on a second. <laughs> to Jeff Passon's Twitter account we go. Right back there, Jeff Passon. There you go, click. Hurry up, phone. Avisail Garcia to the Miami Marlins. Four-year contract, $53 million. So another, okay, That this is another smaller scale-esque signing like we were talking about before, the bigger ones being Byron Buxton's extension and Marcus Semien's deal with the Rangers. But Avisail Garcia to the Miami Marlins, four-year, $53 million. And, it's, and apparently Craig Mish was on this one, according to Jeff. Jeff always giving people credit. Gotta love it. All right, so Avisayo Garcia to the Marlins. Not as big a deal, of course, as Buxton or Semyon, especially as far as Yankees' needs are concerned with shortstop and center and whatnot. But it's another thing that went down. Yet another thing. So that's three things inside of what, an hour? 45 minutes to an hour? <laughs> Something like that? All right, so that's another move. Another one. And we'll see what other moves happen from when I stopped this recording until Wednesday or maybe even after that, even though the lockout will probably be right in the midst. <laughs> so just to recap, as of the end of this episode, more signings have happened. And the main big one that happened so far, the one that did end up after all getting done before December 1st in just three days, is Marcus Semyon now out of the shortstop class as he is now a Texas Ranger. And we'll see if any other big contracts happen before December 1st. Otherwise, it'll mainly, as anticipated, just be those smaller-esque signings and some trades. But the bigger, longer-term ones that did end up getting done prior to December 1st, just today, were Byron Buxton and especially Marcus Semyon. And Jeff Passan did say that the next 24 hours could be crazy. And it sounds like even more moves are on the horizon. And whatever may come across, whether it be by miracle, a mega contract in the likes of Carlos Correa or Corey Seager, which I don't think will happen, or more trades or smaller-esque signings, I'll be mentioning them next week on next Sunday's episode. But as far as getting to next Sunday, speaking of today's episode, that is all for episode 122 of Yapping Yankees today, my friends. And as always, I thank all of you once more for all of the interactions on social media, between Twitter and Instagram, wherever you may be. I get such an overwhelming amount of it every single week. It's awesome. I love having the conversations with you guys. Another terrific discussion on another position this week, and I can't wait for next week as always. But please remember to follow me on all socials, guys. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter, at Mike Scudero, and Instagram, MikeScuds97. Subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below on YouTube if you're listening on there. Leave a review on all others. Show your love. You know the deal. And if you have the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 122 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today, my friends. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, December 5th, when I come at you with episode 123 of Yapping Yankees for the first edition of the final month of 2021. But until then, you know the deal. Hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and keep your eyes peeled for those moves in these next couple of days, guys, because the off-season hot stove is blazing, sizzling right now. So keep those eyes peeled, stay warm, and enjoy your week, my friends. Take care.